kids, my environment, the places that I go. And we, let's be honest, we live in a world where people are, are afraid to say the wrong thing because maybe they're going to get canceled, right? Or afraid to stand up for what is right. And, and I just, I just want to say our posture today is we're not going to let culture define what my house will be. Right? And we're going to do it in love and in care. Right? We're going to do it being salt and light in the community and loving on people. But we're not going to let the culture determine who I am, what I'm about, what my family's about. And so, and so that's really the heartbeat of this culture is that, is that you have authority. To, so, so don't play the victim anymore. Don't just kind of like, well, I guess this is just what my life's about. And I guess this is what my family's going to be because, you know, have you seen the world lately? But no, um, God says, I've given you authority to bring heaven here. And so, and so that's what we're about. And you remember when Jesus went uh, and the disciples were complaining, and you can imagine the disciples in that environment. I mean, Rome, like you think their government's bad now. I mean, it was really bad then. And, 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 and um, all kinds of horrific things were happening. And you can imagine how much the, the disciples were complaining about their world and the persecution. And Jesus is like, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to take you up to the Caesarea Philippi, which was like, Hollywood on steroids. It was, it was the most influential place for the, the culture of the day. And it was very demonic. It was very influenced by the enemy. And they had a place called the Gates of Hell. And this was a big temple with a mouth where they would throw newborn babies in as sacrifices to the gods. And this is what the culture was like. And Jesus said, I'm going to take you there. And they had to sneak in because Christians weren't allowed there. So they sat up on a hillside and Jesus said, I'm building my church. And not even the gates of hell can stand against it. As they were looking at the gates of hell. The most intimidating thing of all time. And Jesus is like, listen, what I'm building, what I'm putting inside of you, my spirit inside of you, not even culture, not even the way of the world can stand against what you bring. And so it's with that courage, it's with that fearlessness that we, that we come to this last week and we're tackling the power of our words. Because our words shape a lot of our reality. And, and God uses words in our life. He used the word to speak life. He called Jesus the word made flesh. He said that his word is living and active. And then he puts his word in our mouth and we get to come and bring his reality here. And part of it is with our words. And we talked last week about how the words we listen to and speak to ourselves informs a lot of our reality. And so today we're talking about the words that we speak out loud. And so uh, I want to read James chapter three, verse two. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. So this is where you just check out if that's you because I can't help you, you're perfect. If you never stumble in what you say, then you know what? Thanks for being here to encourage the rest of us. But, uh, but, but we, we are in this battle together. And so, um, but when we talk about the power of words, 
oftentimes we start with and automatically jump to the words that we say to other people. And we're going to get there because it's super powerful. But I want to start with the words that we use to describe the things and people in our life indirectly when they're not around. And, and I'm not talking about gossip. I'm talking about the lazy words that we use every day to describe our reality. We talk about our job. We talk about our marriage. We talk about our spouse. We talk about our kids. We talk about our boss. We talk about our church. We talk about our family. We talk about that neighbor. We talk about that in-law. The, thing, the words that we use to describe our reality. And you're going to see today how that is super important. Have you ever thought to yourself, why am I so frustrated at fill in the blank? Like, why am I so frustrated at my spouse? Why do I dislike my job so much? What? It's, it's almost like there's this, this cloud of negativity that comes to mind when, when I think about that thing, that person. And, and yeah, maybe it hasn't been perfect. And yeah, it's been frustrating. But like the level of negativity that I feel doesn't always match up with like what's actually happened. Why is that? So I've seen this over and over. Um, I've been a victim of this in my own life. And I'm sure that you know people, not you, but you know people that are in this scenario where, where they get excited about something, a job, a house, a car, a relationship, and it starts out awesome, right? They're always bragging about it, excited about it, talking about it. And then at some point, six months to a year later, the narrative changes, and all of a sudden, that thing, that person, that relationship, it's just not all flowers anymore. And we call it the honeymoon stage. Oh, the honeymoon stage is over. Right? You get a new job, and it's like, this is going to be amazing. And then like, you realize that you have to sit in a cubicle, and you have to put up with so-and-so. And it's just not like after taxes and everything, it wasn't what you thought. Right? And it's just like the scenario changed, right? And, and, and that's fine. If you just want to chalk it up to to the honeymoon stage. But, but I, I want to suggest to you that maybe there's something slightly different that changed because when, when you're excited about something and nothing changes and then just all of a sudden you're not excited anymore, nothing really changed. Maybe your vocabulary changed. Maybe, maybe the way that you speak about that thing over time has created a new reality. Now, I have a few ladies in my life. And I want to talk about two specifically. And, and one lady I'm excited about. The other one I struggle with. I'm going to be honest. So I have a picture of the first lady that I struggle with. Her name is Midnight. <laughs> now, don't get fooled by the amazing picture. Go ahead and go to the next one. So this is my son's dog. We got him for her for Christmas and uh, she's almost two, maybe two now, two and a half years old now. And this dog is a spaz. 
She is, she needs to get saved. <laughs> this dog needs Jesus like something fierce. She has some Labrador in her, but she also has some German Shepherd in her. And if you know German Shepherds, they're working dogs. So you know that person, maybe this is you or maybe this is your spouse that like, they just can't sit still. It's like, dude, we're watching a movie, just sit down. But it's like, no, every five seconds they have to get up and you know, they're like vacuuming. And it's like, why are you vacuuming? We're watching a movie. It's just like, they can't stop. And then there's some people that are like, they could, they could binge watch three movies in a row, right? As long as the popcorn's flowing, we're good. So, so this is a working dog. She does not know how to sit still. And if there's nothing to do, which there isn't at my house, unless she could do the laundry or make coffee. So there's nothing to do. And so she eats stuff. So, I mean, thousands of dollars later, she's eaten her way into, or I should say, eaten her way out of my heart. So I found myself like constantly speaking negatively about midnight. Now, this sermon's going to get me in trouble because that means I can never do this anymore because Heather's going to keep me accountable. But I will be honest with you that, that my words have created a very negative vibe towards midnight. Because the truth is, she's a great dog. She's gotten past most of the dynamics. And my kids and family absolutely love and adore her. And she's a nice guard dog. And there's like a lot of really good things about her. But I'll be honest that there was a season where I just couldn't say anything positive. I'd call her the Tasmanian devil. And uh, my kids would get mad at me. But, you know, it's like I just, there's just negativity. So now the other lady in my life, her name is Coco. Now she's wearing one of my Under Armour golf sweatshirts because I love her that much and she was cold. Coco's the best dog in the world. I can't speak negatively about her, but I will be honest with you that Coco is a lot of times the instigator for the negative things that happen with Midnight, and she will literally jump on top of the counter and find whatever's up there. Like, if you leave a piece of pizza or whatever, she's going to get it because she's just, she can't help herself. She cannot help herself. So I, I could list a lot of negative things, but I never do because I just love Coco. And I always speak positively about Coco. And so when I think of her, it's just like all flowers. This is amazing. I literally say best dog I've ever had. What I say about midnight, Tasmanian devil. And listen, I'm telling you, this is a very practical example of what we do all the time. I've created a reality with a little bit of truth sprinkled in there about both scenarios. One makes me smile the other one makes me want to just go bury my head in the sand because I think about all the things that midnight destroyed. Now you have scenarios in your life and you have created the reality sprinkled with a little truth in there and you've decided what the overarching vibe and feel is about that thing, about your job, about your spouse, about your marriage in general. How about about your life, about your kids, about the future, about where you're headed? Super powerful. First idea is this, how we speak about things determines our outlook. How you speak about things determines how you view them. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 20 says this, Words satisfy the soul as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Words kill, words give life. 
They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Now, leave that that there for a second. I want you to notice two words. I want you to notice harvest and fruit. Because your words produce something. There's power in our words. So when you speak, it creates a reality. And you will reap the harvest of that. You You will reap the harvest, that fruit of whatever it is that's constantly daily coming out of your mouth. There, there is a harvest and it's going to either be words of life or words that kill. It's either poison or fruit. So I, I want you to latch on to this idea. Our words act as a magnifier. Our words act as a magnifier. So when you speak positively, our perspective is elevated. Like Coco, best dog I've ever had. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. It's just, it's just what I've decided to say about Coco because I genuinely love Coco. Best dog I've ever had. So you know what comes to mind when I think about my dog, Coco? Oh my gosh, I can't wait to see her. Best dog I've ever had. That's what I say all the time. So you know what I've created? I've created a, a, a magnification of the reality. Is Coco a good dog? Yeah, I've magnified that to best dog ever. However, when we speak negatively, we create what the Bible calls an imagination. The Bible talks about spiritual warfare, that, that we are to take every thought captive and that we are to pull down strongholds and imaginations that elevate themselves above the knowledge of God. And so the enemy uses this imagination to create exaggerated problems. The Tasmanian devil is an exaggeration of the truth. But to me, it's not an exaggeration. She is the Tasmanian devil because that's what I've labeled her as. Let me ask you a question. You ever been labeled? And then you ever repeat that in your mind and even with your words and create an exaggeration of the truth. And so now all of a sudden, instead of the problem, instead of the mountain, instead of the dynamic being like an issue, it's all of a sudden larger than life. It's all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, and anxiety hits in. Because when you think of it, you've created the Tasmanian devil. You've created this exaggerated imagination by the way, by the way you always talk about that thing. Maybe it's something about yourself, what you always say about yourself. So all of a sudden it's a stronghold because yeah, there's, there's some truth sprinkled in there. I struggle at X. For the longest time I struggled reading and I have a little bit of dyslexia. So like when I read to you something, sometimes you see it because you've been with me long enough to, you know, I get words bumbled up because I have a little bit of dyslexia and I have to read over and over on my own before I read it to you. And I used to tell myself I can't read very well. And so that created this, this imagination, this exaggerated problem. And these things, they stop us in our tracks, don't they? So I wrote this, negative words create discontentment. It's impossible to be thankful for something that you speak negatively about all the time. It's impossible. So it creates discontentment, like, eh, my house, my car. Like, have you ever, like, gone to sell your car? And so what do you do before you sell it? You wash it, you clean it, right? Or you're going to sell a house and you just like dial it. You do the new carpet, maybe like a new paint job, whatever. And then all of a sudden, what do you think? I don't want to sell it now. (laughs) 
Like, this car is amazing. What was I thinking? Right? Because, because my negative words have created just a, a mild-grade fever of discontentment. Like, ah, I need to trade it in. Eh, it's not going so well. So what happens next? Discontentment leads to frustration, and then frustration will eventually lead to bitterness or offense. These deep-rooted things that started out with just like, I'm just a little discontent with how this is going, but I don't deal with it. I don't change my vocabulary. I don't start seeing it different. I don't lean into it. I just create with how I always talk about this thing. And then all of a sudden, now I'm like frustrated and frustration leads to some deeper things in my life. See, the Holy Spirit is always trying to elevate our thinking. Always trying to get you out of the funk that you're in, out of the weeds and the clouds and like see differently because I'm doing something. And so, yeah, there's some truth there. There's some hills and valleys and things we need to navigate, but you've created mountains. And so let me get you above that. But our words cut him off at the knees because we're creating something different. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 says this, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but only what is kind that it will impart grace to the hearer. I love that word impart. That it will impart great. In this, ca- in this case, you're the hearer, by the way. You're hearing yourself. Always talk about yourself in this way, your spouse in this way, your child, your future, your job. Like whatever you're always saying, you're you're determining the amount of grace that you're imparting or not to to that thing. So my question is, how do you speak about your spouse? I'm not saying the words that you use to them. That's next. We're getting there. How do you talk about them? How do you talk about your marriage? How do you talk about your kids? How do you talk about your, your job? Like when people ask, like, hey, you know, how's it going to work? How's your job? Listen, anyone can speak the obvious. It's a job. It's a bummer most days. No creativity required. And if you want to build that kind of house, if that's what you want in your job, go ahead because you are well on your way. And in the process, you're going to create some exaggerated problems. You're going to take molehills and make them mountains. And if you're not careful, you're going to leave that job And then you're going to be like, why did I leave? Well, I don't know. I thought it was really bad. And then I realized, shoot, I made a mountain out of a molehill. My boss, a colleague, I had opportunities there. Your spouse. Have you created exaggerated problems in your marriage? Don't answer that. (laughs) Listen, honey. If our words act as a magnifier, what do you want to be exaggerated in your life? If the, if the Lord has given us the power to say, my house will be, I'm going to bring heaven to earth. I'm not going to ignore the dynamics and the issues and the things that I have to navigate. I'm not going to stick my head in the clouds or in the sand. I'm going to live real. I'm going to have honest conversations. But I'll tell you what. 
I'm going to decide what I want exaggerated in my life. And I don't need any more problems exaggerated. I need his goodness exaggerated. I need his faithfulness exaggerated. I need his word exaggerated in my life. And so those are the things that I'm going to speak. Those are the things that I'm going to focus on. And I promise you, not only will your perspective change, but you will find that other things will begin to change as well. Uh, the next part of this sermon, by the way, this sermon, like I belabored over this thing because there were so many different directions I could have went. So this next part of the sermon is just really just kind of like a small little uh, teaching tool. Like this is free. And then we're going to get to land the plane on the last point. So the second point is this, um, speak the truth in love. And I, and I want to highlight three different kinds of people. All of us fall into one of these three. And it's just important as we talk about words. And, and, and really, this is more talking, kind of transitioning to the words that we speak to people, the conversations that we have. And it's important to, to, to know where your tendency is. I'm not trying to pigeonhole anybody. And most people are going to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But in general, these are like the three kinds of people. You're a truth teller, which means you speak the truth. Notice the top three. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. So if you're a truth teller, then there's just not a lot of grace because you're like, it's the truth. Right? Truth wins. <laughs> the next one is a peacekeeper. A lot of, um, you're okay sharing. Um, and there's a lot of love. But because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings then there's not a, lot of, not a lot of truth, not a lot of hard truth, like not a lot of real talk. I'm not talking about dishonesty. I'm saying like real talk, saying what really needs to happen. It's just kind of like you just like fuddle, you know, feather around the edges a bit without actually having real conversations. Uh, and these people normally get run over. The truth tellers run over people. The peacekeepers get run over. And then the passive aggressives, they just leave people wondering. Uh, because there's some truth and, and sometimes some love there, but um, they don't say it. They don't say it outright. Maybe they say it with their, their body language, their emotions, right? Withholding things, right? It's just this whole thing going on because they just don't have real conversations. So I've given you some tools for later on in your conversations with your spouse. Okay, but um, again, the goal is to speak the truth in love. The, the goal is speak up. Let's, let, let's have some real conversations. Let's, let's bring truth. Let's not avoid reality. But at the end of the day, the whole thing is about, like, how are you going to present that in love and in grace? And listen, it's way easier to have conversations with your spouse when, when they're not around the way you talk about them and about your marriage is exaggerating all the right things. Listen, if you're talking about, oh, my marriage is struggling, yeah, oh, she's just, uh, he's, uh, he, he never does this, and oh, he's just, you know, you're talking to your girlfriend, and like, oh, he's so lazy, or blah, 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 like, whatever it is, even if there's some truth peppered in there, first of all, stop it. Don't do that. Just stop. You are exaggerating the wrong things. But, but when, when you go from those conversations to a real conversation with the person, I promise you that conversation is going to go so much better if behind the scenes what's been coming out of your mouth and shaping your perspective 
has been heaven filling your mouth. Speaking the greater truth is so powerful. So that's how we speak the truth in love. And so just know where you are. Like if I'm a truth teller, man, error on the side of grace. If you're a peacekeeper, then just don't be afraid to speak some truth in there and some real, um, I'm looking at my wife because she just loves to keep peace keep the peace. And early on in our life, I'm a truth teller and she's a peacekeeper. And so the moral of the story is I win and we lose. Hopefully we've grown in that. Okay. And then the passive aggressive, right? Yeah. Um, so that was free. We're going to land on this. Last thing is learn to speak a blessing. So we talked about the importance of what you say when they're not around. The reality that you create, the words that come out of how you, the descriptive words that you just use to describe your life, how you describe yourself, your marriage, your family, your kids, so important. And so now we're going to lean into, what do we do with these words? Jeremiah chapter one, verse 10 says this, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations, over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. This is such a powerful scripture because it's declaring that God has put his words in your mouth mouth. And the purpose of those things is to root out the lies of the enemy, to pull down strongholds. This is, the, this is the weapons that we have, to pull down strongholds and helping people that are stuck, helping yourself that's stuck in these lies, pulling down those strongholds, to destroy them and throw them down. And then lastly, to build, to build the right things to be exaggerated for, to build, to plant seeds into our kid's life, into our spouse's life, planting the seeds of God, of destiny. This is what we do. This is what God's word does. But here's the thing about God's word. He's put it in your mouth. Um, everybody get out there a uh, little Pez dispenser. That I have, that I have the little Pez packet. Don't open it yet, though. I heard somebody opening it. So, so a couple years ago, Heather, I'm sorry, uh, a couple years ago, Caleb came up to me with the, the little Pez packet. And he goes, you want some candy? You want some Pez? And, and listen, if you have kids, then, then you've seen one of these little packets. And here's what I'll say about these packets. They're so frustrating. First of all, I don't know if I have big thumbs or what, but I have a hard time opening the stupid thing, first of all. And then secondly, it all just falls everywhere. What are you going to, unless you're going to eat it all in one sitting, right? You can't just like eat one piece because it all falls out. It just, right? It just wasn't created very well. Then he came up to me and said, Hey, Dad, want some Pez? And he opens this thing up and boom! 
one candy came out. Just like perfect. I was like, yeah, have some pez for sure. I don't, want, I don't want to try to figure this out, but if you're going to serve it up, I'll take it. This right here, and this is why I gave this to you. This represents the power of God's word in your mouth. You get to go home with it. It's right there. It's not for you. It's for the people in your life. It's gold. You have somebody else's destiny. You have breakthrough for somebody else in the palm of your hand. And I don't know how many things you have in here, but each one represents a nugget of profound truth from heaven, a blessing from God for somebody. Here's the issue. Here's the dilemma. Here, here's the dynamic. I think oftentimes we wait for somebody to impress us, to encourage us. We make people pry out the, pry out the encouragement out from under us. We're like, yeah, it's there. Here you go. Our spouse. Yeah, I'll bless you. I'll encourage you. I'll celebrate you. Open it up. Do something for me. Exceed my expectations. And I'll celebrate the heck out of you. It's right there. Go ahead. And meanwhile, if you don't, then I'll hold on to it. I'll wait for somebody else to deserve my blessing. I'm so glad that uh, Jesus, he was liberal with his blessing over us. I'm so glad that I didn't have to earn his better word over my life. Even in my worst day, heaven opens up and he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter and I'm showering them with love, with bless a blessing from heaven. And yet we, we keep our blessing. Especially with those that are closest to us. No, you got to earn this. You've, you've disappointed me too many times. So we'll see. I'll encourage you. You just show me that you're going to deserve it. Just earn it. If I come home and the house looks great, I'll shower you with praise. But if it looks like a mess, well, you got to meet my expectations. I wrote this, learning to speak a blessing about, is about seeing past people's faults, past their inadequacies and shortcomings to see what God sees and calling it out. God has put his words in your mouth. So there it is. Every day you walk around. And I know you don't feel like it. I know you don't feel like some powerhouse that's got some word from heaven. Listen, you never feel like that. I'm talk you're talking from the person that stands on this stage every week with something to share. I'm telling you, I never feel like that. I just simply get my Pez out and I'm like, all right, I'm going to fill this thing up today. I ain't going to keep it in the package. The package is too hard to get out of it. I'm going to fill this thing up every day. And then I'm just going to be like, bam, here it is. Blessing, blessing, 
blessing. Now, I'm not perfect at this, and Heather could be the first to admit, I can be harsh with my words, and I got to work at this like anybody, but I'm telling you that we have the privilege, we have the opportunity, if we would be fearless and courageous to say, today, I'm going to take what's given to me, his words in my mouth, and I'm going to be liberal with my blessing over people. I bless you. And I'll tell you what, and I'm sure that you're the same as me, is that my life is where it is because people along the way decided to see past my shortcomings and my insufficiency and say, I see you. I see a blessing on you. You're a leader. You're called. God knows your name. And these are the things that have developed me into the person that I am. And the same is for you. We have that opportunity. Let's speak a blessing. You know who does this great is Adam. He is awesome at speaking a blessing. You can be too. But it starts when no one else is around, isn't it? It starts starts in how you describe and talk about your dynamic, your world, your life, your marriage, your kids, your job. It starts with what are the, what's the vocabulary that you're using? And so then when you get up in the morning and you've created this, this heaven on earth reality for your life and you pick up your pez and go, today, it doesn't matter how people treat me because they don't get to steal my opportunity to give a blessing. It's not dependent on them. How my spouse treats me, how my boss treats me. Listen, they don't get to, I don't give them that kind of power. I have the ability to take my dispenser and go, you know what? Jesus said a blessing over me. So I get to say a blessing over others. I bless you. And it's not because you're good. It's not because you met my expectations. And that's not because I like you. It's because God in heaven has showered a blessing upon me. He's given me a dispenser with his words in my mouth. And today I get to say, I bless you. I celebrate you. I call out the goodness of God in your life. And my prayer, my hope, my biggest passion is that Heart Church would just be, would, would simply be more of this and less of this. That would be, we'd be a community of, we have the blessing on the tip of our tongue for everybody in this place. That we wouldn't neglect coming together because the fellowship of encouraging one another daily while it is today. This is what we do. So don't keep it in the package. Don't keep it in the package. It's too hard to get to. Don't lay your head down on the pillow and you still have the blessing in the package. We ain't storing these things up. This is meant to be used today. It's meant to be used. So let's fill this thing up and make sure that when we go home and we lay our head down on the pillow, our dispenser is empty because we've given out everyone. We've given out everyone. And let's just watch. Let's just see what God will do. Just try it. Father God, I thank you that you have showered us with a better word, Jesus, so that we might fill our mind and our heart and our words with what lines up with the kingdom of God. Jesus, I thank you for every man, woman, husband, father, 
mother, that you've positioned them to walk in your authority, to walk in your victory and speak a better word over their life and over their relationships. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to flood our heart and mind with a new reality. We invite you to put your words in our mouth that we might speak a blessing and shift the destiny of those around us. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen.